I'm just going to give you four and in for a clap on the downbeat. Clap near your mic, please. One, two, ready, go. <laughs> okay, mine was ahead, was but the four of you were, it was a pretty oh. good attack. Oh, really? I feel good about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the sound bite before the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Jake. It's been almost a year since the airing of our first ever virtual Drum & Bugle Corps show, and we wanted to release one more episode of The Morning Block. It's currently July 2021, and DCI is back, or at least as back as it can be this year. Back in February of 2021, all the virtual arts founders got together to chat and kind of sum up our experience with virtual arts from start to finish. So we are releasing that recording today. Enjoy. And welcome to the morning block. It's the first block of the day. I'm Jake. And I founded Virtual Arts with the help of my good buddy Chris and my good buddies Chelsea, Tomas, and Brian, who are with us today on the podcast. Today, with our season finale uh, for season one, we're going to be asking the question, how did virtual arts start? How did we get here? How did we make virtual drum corps happen? Uh, because we want to sh- we want to share these things. Uh, we know that at this point, we're transitioning, hopefully, out of the virtual ensemble space and back into where pageantry should be done, which is in person, together, in front of a live audience. Um, and we have learned a lot in the last almost year now. Um, and we want to make sure that if this ever has to happen again, that everything that we've learned has been shared freely into the world so that people can do this too. Because it wasn't that hard, but learning how to do it was hard. Um, and we want to make sure that people don't have to start from square one if they, if they do this again. So I'll turn it over to Chelsea, uh, who's going to help walk us through this journey that we went on. Yeah, so as you said, Jake, uh, I want to take a second and just talk about how virtual arts started. Um, And I think it's funny because for everybody on this call, it started with a phone call from you. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So I think it'd be great to talk about what brought you to gathering all of us to start what eventually turned into virtual arts. Yeah. Um, and I've told this story on a couple different podcasts, not this one actually yet, um, weirdly enough. Uh, but I knew kind of in 2020 that I was trying to get more into content creation. Like I love YouTube. I love music. Um, I love the idea of being able to create fun internet content. I'm a big consumer of content and I thought I could be good at it if I practiced for enough time, just like you do with anything else. Um, and Chris and I had just started a percussion duo where we were putting on YouTube videos and they would get like three or four views and three or four of them would probably be us just watching them back. So it was a slow start for that. And around the time that we were just launching that, um, we entered into quarantine, like the heavy quarantine, like March, March area. Um, and WGI got canceled, which we did not see coming at all. Um, and my thought as kind of just the opportunist opportunist that I am is what can we do? Like, what can we do in this time? And I knew that virtual ensembles would probably be a thing and we didn't necessarily have to do it best. We just had to do it first. Um, and we knew about a month out, about a month away from when DCI was going to be canceled, uh, which was <laughs> the next big blow to like uh, the pageantry community. Like that's, that's tough. Like a lot of the band ecosystem revolves around <laughs> the people, the products, the companies, the tour, everything that goes around DCI. Um, so we had like three plus weeks to prep. Um, and in those three weeks, I just called a bunch of people who I knew were good at various things and 
asked and begged and borrowed and tried to get them plugged in uh, to do <laughs> to help set this thing up, to help start a virtual drum corps, uh, which wasn't a thing that existed. So the pitch was a little tricky and it was a lot of trust in the beginning, which I'm very, very thankful for. It was like, hey, I can pay you, but we got to raise a bunch of money first, but we can only raise a bunch of money if you agree to work for free for a, a second on the promise that this may or may not work. And luckily I had some very, very intelligent, very, very hardworking people say, okay, what the hell? I'm here at home. What else are we going to do? Let, let's give it a go. You know, let's try it. Yeah, I know for me, my phone has rang, at least up until this point, two-ish times from Jake Lyons, which would be, do you want to be in the Super Bowl? And then I see my phone ring, and I'm wondering, okay, what could this be about? Um, and it ended up being this venture. So we went multiple weeks with that as the official branding, went as far as... Brian made a logo for this. It was a great logo. I mean, the thing was awesome. Um, and it was the night before we went public that we decided to change the name to something a little less aggressive. <laughs> yeah, it was Ben Piles, I think, who brought it up. Who He ended up was. arranging the battery, but who just brought up. It wasn't very versatile. Like, we can't use it in the future. And then he pitched virtual virtual drum and bugle corps and we all said yes and i think the same night like two hours later brian had all the branding <laughs> yep we turned it over so fast yeah it was basically at, at the 11th hour ben said i don't i don't know about quarantine like not only is it not super versatile but it's kind of dark and i think people need something a little lighter in this time so we can and credit where credit's side. due it's a great name chris like you think about the wgi group names like Pulse, Rhythm X, like they've all got like hippity kind of names. Like quarantine would be great, but in terms of like a palatable brand, which you have to sell to the world that has no history, uh, which is what we were. Um, I'm glad that Ben was just like, maybe we should not do that. So Brian, where did the idea of like the logo came up? Cause you came up with the logo, like, like it, we, we had like an eight o'clock meeting and then the next day was when everything was going live. So we had to switch everything, including like the email addresses and the accounts and the logins. And Chelsea had to snag all the social handles and all of that. <laughs> so how, how did you crank out an entire branding package between 11 or eight and 11 PM? And you're talking about the, well, I guess we're actually on iteration three of logos. Yeah. We had the quarantine logo that was, basically a cue with a little biohazard symbol in the middle, you know, super dark, gritty. Yeah, red. Um, yeah, I think it was ultimately we knew it was something to where it was about connecting people and everything, and V was an obvious one. So having a bunch of dots kind of resembling people, having some sort of line to connect them. And I have a probably a few hand-drawn sketches. I'll we'll see if I can find those to share as just a little kind of behind-the-scenes nugget. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing with virtual arts is there's just so many moving pieces and how we, and we sort of alluded to this in the beginning, is it's a lot of easy things put together to make something pretty complicated uh, work. And, I mean, there's everything from the fundraising to getting the word out, um, making sure everything works together, obviously designing and, and what that all encompasses, um, I think it'd be great to talk about just the initial launch and how we got so many people to quite literally buy in, um, in hour zero, basically. 
Yeah, the first night we raised, I think, like 2,800 of the close to 50,000 that we ended up doing. So in just a few hours, we had almost $3,000. Um, and I, I had the idea, and I know a lot about fundraising and how to do that, but I don't know a lot about digital marketing, which is why I kind of pulled in both Elliot Cleveland, who's great at that, and Chelsea, who's great at that and does a lot of that for work. And it's like, okay, we need a website. I don't know how to do that either. So that's how we pulled Tomas in to do that, who's obviously does that for a living and is amazing at that too. And it's like, well, I also need to learn how to write a drum corps show, which I mean, everybody thinks they can do, but in practice is extremely complicated and having it work for the medium and apply to a beginner. <laughs> like we have to have a ninth grader or an eighth grader be able to play this and enjoy it. We have to have a DCI medalist be able to play this and enjoy it. Like how do you, those are just a lot of the problems that we had to solve right off the bat. Um, and I think having one of you talk about how we solve some of those things, I feel like I'm talking a lot and I, I can, I just love to hear <laughs> I can. Th those are kind of the, the questions that were presented. Like, okay, here's the issue. How do we solve those things? Yeah, I think, well, I'll, I can talk a little bit about the GoFundMe and getting this off the, off the ground. And part of this is telling everybody, you know, we want everyone to know how we did this and, and why. Uh, what worked, what didn't work. Now that we're looking back on this almost a year later, there's a lot of things that we've learned and that we would do differently and also things that, um, you know, ultimately helped us grow really fast in the beginning, uh, but then stunted our growth later on. And one of those things is just the entry point. We got a ton of people to sign up early on because it was $10. Um, yeah. And what everybody got for $10 was just amazing. Um and the only reason it worked was because we had so many people sign up. For $10, yeah. you got the packet, you got the audition, you got placement, you got um, all the recording instructions, um, you got your you got whole... to be in the show. You got to be in the show uh, in one way or another. Uh, you also got clinics. I mean, Pearl sponsored a ton of clinics for us. Um, so for $10, which you know genuinely was all you had to spend to get the full experience... That's you're getting a lot for practically nothing. Uh, yeah. Then fast forward to virtual marching band season, where we did anticipate a dip in membership just because there was zero drum corps in the summer, but at least some marching band this fall. We raised the price to forty dollars a member, which all things considered, a packet and auditions and the music and the choreography and being in the show uh, and some of the clinics that we offered, that's still not a lot of money. $40 is less than most what one hour private lessons cost, um, but also four times the amount of the price of what we started at. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Really, if it weren't for the $10 entryway, we might have never gotten off the ground, but then... Also, it set this expectation that people should get a ton of stuff for not a lot of money. Um, and that really only works if you have thousands and thousands of people. Um, and then the flip side of that is if you have thousands and thousands of people, everybody's chance of being in the show goes down and down. Um, so yeah. it's a very difficult balance to find. And that was the thing that we struggled with I think the second time around is like we, like you said, we knew most people were doing marching band in some way. We knew that we couldn't do past $40. Like the, the spirit of it was let's make this accessible to anybody. Like 40 is probably on the high end of, even if you spread that out over four or five months, 
what some people can afford. Anything outside of that, you're starting to put it out of reach for some people, which we were trying not to do. So we went out and got sponsors for things uh, to make up some of those costs. Cause we're paying a lot of people. We're paying like 20 to 25 people at any given time, not even close to what they're worth, uh, but something so that they can justify their time because these are people who work in the creative field who are out of work and are like, yes, I would love to give back, but I still have to eat and pay rent. So you got to pay me something. It's like, okay, we got to figure out how to pay these 25 people, everyone from the teachers to the writers and arrangers to the video editors, to the admin, admin people who are doing all the behind the scenes stuff, to building out the website, to having a custom platform that uploads the videos and splits them into video and audio and sends them to the right teams. Like there's so many moving parts and it's all very expensive. We basically had to go out and just talk to companies like, Hey, we're doing this thing. We're not making hardly any money. Can you help? Well, you guys are talking about are really two lessons I learned or that I had read before in a book maybe, but I saw confirmed with virtual drum corps and virtual marching band. One is a fundraising lesson is the tears. So we had, uh, you could pay 10 or really donate at this point, $10, 25, 50, 100, 250. And which each, with each tier comes more perks. Uh, the 251 included everything, which was a T-shirt, a hoodie, a patch, and even a core jacket, which was, you know, at some point almost absurd to think about that someone would want a core jacket of this core that doesn't even exist yet. But then because of those people and everyone else ended up existing, which is really cool. Um, and just learning from Jake that, yeah, you want to offer perks when someone's donating and, and really encourage them to donate more. A second lesson is really a marketing lesson, which we increased the price from $10 to $40, which there's a price drop there, a uh, price increase. So you anticipate a drop in, in people who can participate. But if you do the math, like it wasn't a quarter of the people who signed up. So we ended up bringing in a comparable amount of money uh, for our working budget. And that's, that's really interesting to keep in mind too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think something just maybe to wrap up the financial side of things here is just that I'm really proud that we were, that, that we were able to pay all of the designers and staff members. There's not a single person that volunteered to do this, um, in terms of not getting paid and to give an opportunity to designers who basically saw their industry disappear <laughs> or administrators or marketers, whatever the case might be, production people in terms of audio and video. Um, I think it's pretty amazing that we were able to not only give them a creative outlet, but also pay them uh, for their time spent, um, which I think might for like be like six or eight months too. <laughs> like pay them consistently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think that would be a great transition to have Brian just talk about what it was like assembling the design team and working remotely. Um, obviously you knew a lot of people going into this. Um, and that's one of the reasons <laughs> it was so cohesive, but obviously very interesting, never actually sitting in the same room together. Yeah, it was kind of, I mean, Jake, obviously he reached out to me first as someone to head everything up. We went through a few different iterations of me possibly doing the full music package, me doing 
all the percussion and Mike Miller, who we, we got, I mean, a good friend of ours uh, from Colts to come in and do the brass arranging. But ultimately it boiled down to, we knew we'd be able to provide the the best experience for everybody, designers included, just having fewer responsibilities on one person's shoulders. Cause I, I didn't know what my summer was going to look like at that point. Didn't know if all band would be canceled. I want to make sure I personally had the flexibility in my schedule to be able to do this and not have this become, I mean, it, ended up being a huge undertaking, but if I had decided, sure, I'm going to do it all, I'd, I might not have made it out of the summer, honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of a no brainer for me. I mean, the first, I, Ben Piles has become a really good friend of mine. Same thing with Andy Filippiak. Uh, we've been writing together at Monarch, working together, uh, like five years now. So we know each other really well, know we can trust each other to, to get the job done. So, I mean, in, in the first call with Jake is we kind of went through, these are the possibilities. This is probably the, the best one, uh, to do those. And then Andy knew Heather Graham, who we brought in to do the, uh, choreography. She's done great work at Boston, phenomenal person, great educator, uh, super, I, I personally didn't know her, but I'm, she's a, a good friend that I've gotten out of this experience. And that's one thing in general, I think we've all gotten is just think great personal relationships, regardless of what came out of the whole experience from a design standpoint. So. And purpose. I remember, I think it was Ben who then told Chelsea after one of the calls, like, wow, this is the first time in one or two months where I actually feel motivated to write music again. It was a nice little Kickstarter to get back into the groove of things and give everybody from really all angles uh, a band outlet. I mean, we had everything from, of course, performers and designers and administrators and editors, but then we also had fans and parents getting involved and parents getting to perform with their kids and I just think the it companies a- <laughs> like we had Pearl and IP and King and Stanberry got to design a uniform and Greg Lagola, who does like Vanguard and blue coats uniforms every year, got to design a custom uniform for us. So like just all, all in saying like, we don't know what we want you all to do, but if you want to be a part of something while we're hanging out at home, we would love your participation. And people were really receptive to that. And we were just really thankful that everyone jumped on board so willingly. Uh, some of them knew us really well. Some of them we met for the first time and created that relationship and they just like went all in on us, which was wild. (laughs) It's crazy. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, one of the most freeing parts about being part of this was that there were no rules. We were the first virtual ensemble of this type and we could do whatever we wanted. We could make the show five minutes. We could make the show 12 minutes. We could have visual effects. We could have people who were 12. We could have people who were 70 years old. Um, yeah, really this, the sky was the limits. And I really loved being in this, uh, area where we could make it up as we go. And I don't know, not follow a set of guidelines that were already there for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were so sure our primary market, the people who would sign up to do it would be people who lost their DCI summer. It's like, Hey, this is what this is for. This is for all the people who didn't get to March. We even made it like, if you already made a drum core, like you don't have to audition. Like you could, you just get your spot like automatically. Like we had all these things because we thought that was for them. And we ended up getting like 10 to 15% of the, all the people who were going to do drum core, which is really cool. Like that is a lot. It's like 
a ton of people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, but it, it turns out that there's just a lot of people who are drum corps fans and <laughs> can't afford to spend a thousand dollars to audition or even a couple hundred dollars to go to a camp. Um, or just for whatever reason, can't get involved in some way. And we're like, actually, this is a version, a version of some part of that experience where I get to play that style of music. I get to connect with these people. I get to drum next to virtually <laughs> people who marched blue devils and blue coats and everything else. Um, and I get to be taught and play music by actual DCI Rangers. Um, and those are the people who jumped on it. And that was the majority of the people who signed up, which was a surprise to me, a nice surprise for sure. And I, I think that that's something that maybe gets brushed over uh, with the virtual arts project is how inclusive we really were, um, especially from a financial aspect. Um, I know, you know, there was a lot of people from rural areas or other countries who could have never afforded to fly to a DCI audition. Even if you're from rural Georgia and you need to drive two hours to get to the Atlanta airport and then fly to a drum corps camp, all of a sudden a drum corps experience costs you $1,000 and it lasts 48 hours. Um, so to be able to get a little taste of everything, no matter where you were from or really what your financial background was, when the entry point was was $10, it, it really lent itself to getting as many people as possible. Well, now that we've talked about kind of all of the things that made virtual arts go round and come to life, I think it'd be interesting to tell everybody what ultimately made us close the doors. Because uh, as we see it now, we will not be doing another virtual indoor drum corps marching band season, at least certainly not how it has already existed. Um, so I don't know, Jake, if you want to talk about kind of what brought us to this point and we can all maybe elaborate on our stresses and why we yeah. decided this isn't where we want to dedicate our time right now. <laughs> sure. Um, the first I think is that we all have full-time jobs and a lot of us work more than 40 hours a week already. I think all five of us, if you could add up travel time, working nights, working weekends, like we are, we are working people <laughs> and uh, we either, have work for a company or run a company or own a company ourselves and already are, are like on that work life balance scale, maybe a little bit tipped sometimes too far uh, into the work and less into the like social family friends time. Um, and we were able to do this for a time because the type of work that we were doing was reduced as a result of COVID. Like I know I used to travel, I used to fly like three or four times a week all over the country. Now I do all my work on zoom still. Um, which is no surprise, but that time I used to be traveling, I was now freed up to do other things and my gym was closed. I could run, but it was hot. Like, but basically I'm, I'm, I'm at home and I'm just thinking of things that I can do and ways to be productive. And I'm used to working this much and it's just kind of my tendency. So we were able to sustain that for a while. Um, but we didn't set this thing up to make money. This was not a get rich quick scheme. This was a, let's do something with and for the community while the community needs it scheme. <laughs> um, and slowly over the course of the last nine months, we figured out how to more safely interact in person. Obviously we're still not there yet. You know, the vaccines a ways off from getting distributed to everybody. Um, but as Chelsea mentioned earlier, we have kind of this drum corps, nothing is happening. Like WGI ended, 
like hard stop for everybody. Drum corps starts, nothing, like zero, absolutely nothing. Um, and that was kind of the void that we were in um, and had the ability to do that. Marching band comes along, a lot more people are able to do it, which is awesome, which is how it should be. Again, we're not saying, oh man, everyone's able to do it in person, they didn't sign up. It's like, no, that's awesome, that's what we wanted, that's what we need. We need the activity to be able to continue. We have so many friends um, who are band directors, who are percussion directors, who are teachers, whose income relies on being able to do these things, and we are so thankful that those things came back for almost everybody, um, depending on where you are, but most places, that's huge. I think for indoor, go ahead, Chelsea. I was going to say just with all of the hours put in, I mean, so our internal communication was all through Slack. And I think there was only about three hours a day where everybody was sleeping. Like I would work <laughs> late, you know, Jake and Brian would be up early. You know, it's just, there was just always something going on. <laughs> yeah. If we, broke down all of our hourlies for pay. It would probably be like, what, four or five cents an hour for, for us, <laughs> which again was fine. I don't want to do the math because I'm afraid. Um, and it was, it was good supplemental income while, you know, income was all over the place for this year. Um, but it, it wasn't set up. Like we said, we charged $10 the first time and like stretched it to 40, but couldn't go beyond that without putting it out of reach of people um, intentionally so that <laughs> people could do it. Um, and that doesn't make for a sustainable business, but it wasn't, it wasn't designed to be a business. It was designed to be a service. Um, and I think the reason that we're at the point now where it's like, okay, we'll see if the WGI thing works, but because so many groups are, have figured it out and can safely do this in person, um, the demand wasn't there for it, which was awesome <laughs> again, it, which was really, really exciting because it means that we're just a couple steps away from getting back to what this should be. So we kind of filled a void when there was a void that needed filling. And from there, I think we're moving on to, to other stuff. That, that was my perspective, but what, what do you guys think? Uh, when you brought up that our own personal work life started picking back up again, as the fall started rolling around, my work started getting more demanding and demanding more hours for me. And so it was getting harder and harder to hang on. And I knew the door was closing at that point in time, at least for me. And I was starting to see it among all of us up in the uh, C-suite, up in the ad administratively who were running it. And so that I imagine as well was kind of a, a little bit of a, we're all trying to have these two jobs at once, but we can't continue doing this until the wheels fall off and there's no one really to come in and take our place. It wasn't growing to a point where we could continue to hire more people to help us. So as great of a run as it was, you know, that, that there was an end to it with just the sheer size that we had. And I think it was beautiful that because it's, it's just seasons, like there is a point where we could just decide, okay, this is our last season. Moving forward, we're still offering what we do as a service to other ensembles and we have the podcast and we're sharing educational content, but it, it's easy to find a clean ending. Like it doesn't have to die off slowly. It's very much, mm -hmm. okay, Virtual marching band ended. We're wrapping up some things. We're pivoting a little bit. Um, and now it's it's finished. And it's a chapter closed. Beautiful chapter, really. But it, And it's that's kind of baked into the marching music activity in general. You just, one season, you just age out or you decide to age out yourself. Or as an instructor, you decide, this is my last one. Or, yeah, I can do one more. Um, and so many things in life aren't like that. And it's really difficult to find 
um, closure with those things because they just kind of fizzle out. Yeah, just to, I mean, I, I think I could ultimately echo what everybody else has already said, but for me, for me, the, the silver lining, while it's, it's bittersweet, because I mean, I, the, I've been friends with all of you guys for a while, but I mean, we've become a lot closer, uh, just our, our small group of people kind of steering the ship. Uh, I mean, that's the thing I'm probably the most thankful for of all of this, but the silver lining mm-hmm. for me is uh, the fact that it hopefully is a sign that things are starting to, to pick back up. I know a lot of people, you know, that are clients of mine are doing something this spring when over the mm-hmm. summer they weren't over the fall, they were doing, you know, kind of a, a neuter version of, you know, yeah. what, what marching band is, but still trying to do something. And that was kind of all, obviously all over the map, but I'm just, I'm glad that it's hopefully a sign that we're getting back to getting away from having to say the, the phrase new normal anymore. Cause the sooner we're not having to say that anymore, the better. Yeah. I mean, and I think ultimately getting back to how band was intended to be, which is in person and, you know, making music together in the same room on the same field is what we all wanted to be back to. Um, and I mean, additionally, with our limited resources and what a time constraint it was and with things transitioning back yet, do we still, could we still serve a purpose to the marching community, the music community? Yes. Uh, you know, for people who don't have established programs and are from rural areas and whatnot, there is something there, but I think we, it's just kind of time to transition our efforts into I don't know (laughs) what our old normal was. Maybe we take a moment and talk about what some of our least favorite parts were of virtual arts. I can go through real quick. Um, The times that we did everything right and things still went wrong. I think summarizes like the three or four moments. There were like specific two or three times that like I felt just defeated and awful. Um, And that's pretty good (laughs) in like nine months of work where you feel pretty good most of the time and you have a a few sets of like really bad days, but they were all things that like we worked really hard and then we did not foresee something. And as a result, it was a lot of stress for some or all of us for an amount of days. Um, Like we'd set up the platform perfectly, but then there's this thing that only allows five people at a time to do this thing that we didn't know about. And 12 people are trying to upload their video and the whole thing crashes and then trying to get the communication back and forth. And some people thought they had uploaded and they didn't and getting that resolved, um, put a lot of stress on like the, the web team and the, and the admin team, especially, um, those are the least favorite parts. I don't want to go too much into that, but that's kind of where I was at. It's just things that we couldn't foresee and problems that we had to deal with, which is true of any, any project, any business. Yeah. And I think another way to look at it too, this is my, Lee's favorite part is the fact that I think we all put our hearts into this and so much time and so much energy um, and ultimately we couldn't make everyone happy, that there were Mm -hmm. still disappointed people out there for one reason or another, whether it was their screen time or technology or their specific part or the slack or, I mean, you could complain about anything, right? Um, but uh, I think ultimately the fact that we were so exhausted trying to make this perfect and still finding people unhappy 
that made that was my least favorite part. And the unhappy people are the vocal ones. Like you could have two thousand people, and if only seventeen people complain, that's pretty good. Like that's a lot of very satisfied people. But 17 people feels like a lot. When you're getting 17 people yelling at you all at once, it feels like a lot of people. And you're like, oh, I was terrible. But yeah, but there's like 1,900 others right behind them. They're like, no, it was fine. Like, we're good. It's hard to not take that personally, <laughs> of course. But uh. yeah, I, I guess I can think of more specifics that I, I think I ended up talking to some people about it and telling them about the project. And they were like, well, how much does it cost? And I said, 10 bucks. And they said, ah, I wish it didn't cost that much. I was like, you wish it didn't cost that much. Like, we have to pay people. And they're like, yeah, we want people to get paid, but we want it to be accessible. And I was just, from my economics side, I was like, I I have to get money to pay people. And I understand that I have to keep it cheap. It's that whole drum corps shouldn't cost five grand, but also everyone should be paid a living wage. It's like, pick one. Like, I don't don't know. It's crazy how for even five grand, like, tour staff doesn't get paid much. I yeah. mean, I, I oh, can understand nothing. those numbers mm-hmm. just just from basic operational costs, costs in WGI. And we, we're about to get down an avenue that I don't want to get too far down because this is the boring stuff that kids don't like. But <laughs> it, is, it costs a lot of money to run a group. And so it's just, it's, it is yeah, crazy. I understand that part. Well, let's talk about our favorite parts of this experience and virtual arts. And if everybody wants to go around and just say one or two of their favorite aspects, I think that would be really, I'll go last this time. Yeah. Let's just take a second and reflect on what our favorite parts were. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of stated it in talking about the idea of, you know, I guess the bittersweet of having to shutter up the doors, but I mean, I've gotten some really good friends out of this. I mean, the, out of this small group in particular, but I mean, just everybody across the board, I mean, on, on the staff, I mean, it, at times felt about as close as it could feel to a real drum corps staff, uh, you know, as basically we had like virtual bus talk, uh, <laughs> like within our Slack about as close as you can get to the kind of talks you can have on Slack. So for me, that's, that is for me personally, you know, speaking selfishly was my favorite part, but also just, seeing how people reacted to, to the whole thing. And I mean, I've, when we ran our first initial premiere, I, I don't think I've gotten that many just like cold call sort of text messages from, from friends, like between WGI, DCI, a lot of other things that I've been a part of that are equally as high profile as one of the, one of the times where I've had so many people reach out to me about how cool it was. So I, I mean, I think it was cool for me, but cool for everybody involved that it was just a really special thing to be a part of. Chris? Uh, I would have to think, I think my favorite part was there was this moment when it was before uh, the drum corps release of the show. So uh, listeners may or may not know that my roommate slash girlfriend uh, is Rosa Westfall, and she was the audio engineer for both projects. And I, for, for two weeks, she was working until 3 a.m. and beyond on this mix of the project, and I kept hearing her work away at it, work away at it, and she's like, do you want to hear something? I was like, I want to hear the product. And so we get to like two days before, and she goes, I need you to listen to just one part of it. Okay, for balance. And I said, okay. And it was the lo-fi hip hop remix part. And I just kind I had my mouth open. I couldn't believe the quality of the audio, the arrangement, just all of it. And like it ended and I was just like, 
this is so amazing. It just, it hit me all at once how amazing it was, how many moving parts required us to create such a cool thing that was just months before an idea, a phone call from Jake, like, hey, could this be possible? Uh, well, to wrap up, I just wanted to say thank you for everybody going on this journey. Uh, thank you to everyone in this virtual room with me right now, um, socially distant across uh, many states and a few time zones. Um, but also thank you to like the thousands of people who came together and did this thing. Like it's it's still like I have moments where it hits me of how many people participated and what they got out of it. But it's still it's hard for me to conceptualize. It's hard for me to think about that many people and having affected that many people's lives is just really wonderful. And I'm just really, really grateful and appreciative for all of it, obviously. Um, if you want to hear more about kind of what's next for us and what the plans are, uh, we did kind of put a press release out. Uh, we have some like virtual ensembles that we're doing for concert band coming up and some other clients. And we may, like I said, kind of leave things open where we can do this for people who need this individually for their group. But um, you can read more about that on the socials and on our website. Um, I think to close, just to talk a little about the future of the podcast, uh, we would like to do a season two, uh, but we don't know if, if you would like us to do a season two. So write in and tell us if you're enjoying this, uh, comment, share all the things that we, ha we have to hear from you one way or the other on whether this is something that you want us to continue doing. We're happy to continue to make it. We have a lot of fun. Chris and I get to talk to cool people. We get to talk to each other. We get to hang out. Um, Chelsea doesn't hate us too much. So that's all been really, really good. Uh, and Brian already made a logo and now there's a, a part of the website that Tomas made. So everybody's participated in some way uh, and we would love to continue. We have some really, really cool episode ideas. Some of them have come from, from listeners. So if you want us to continue, uh, it would help us out a lot to know that if you would let us know either by emailing us at themorningblock at gmail.com um, or you can hit us up on any of the socials uh, or our website. Um, but with that, I think we will circle around to our final segment for season one. Uh, with the bop of the week, Chris. What is the bop of the week? The bop of the week this week is uh, that awesome song that Joseph Noah did for us uh, in the virtual drum corps community. He has his own single. It's called We Are. Uh, it was released in August of this year. So We Are by Joseph Noah. And it's longer than the version that you hear in the show. Like there's more to it. You got just like a, a, a verse chorus i don't know you got you got some portion of it but there's like a longer song and it's quite good like obviously it's nostalgic for me and that's part of why i love it but it's legitimately a very, very good song he's a very talented guy and it so is shout out, shout out to joseph noah this has been the morning block this show is a production of virtual arts inc and was produced by chelsea levine and hosted by jake lyons and chris parker with special guests chelsea levine tomas clausen and brian harmson today Edited and mixed by Caleb Lee. Our audio engineer is Rosa Westfall. Special thanks to everyone who participated this season. Logo designed by Brian Harmson. An original theme music was written and produced by Jordan Tehran and Josh Russell. See you all soon. All right, Jake, I guess this is the end of season one. Did we do better than The Mandalorian? I don't know. No. no. <laughs> Objectively, no. <laughs> Greatest show that come out this year. Well, hopefully. I don't know. Queen's Gambit was okay. up there. Yeah, sure. Is our is our season finale better than the end of Game of Thrones? Yes. Probably. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. We are. Yes. Really, our season yes. one is better than their season seven. So we're we're winning on that aspect. <laughs> mm. Can we put Absolutely. this at the end after the outro? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I I love cold closes. I yeah. guess a cold open, cold close. Where it's like a little like Easter egg discussion at the end, or we like put in some football yeah, discussion absolutely. at the end. It's fun. <laughs>